So, we've just finished a series on big questions, which Steve has given over the last three weeks, and it's quite hard to follow that. Um, And it's been good, though, to dig deep into issues which affect us all in different ways, and to broaden our thinking together on some very important subjects. So, this week, I want to focus back into something a lot more run-of-the-mill, something which you'll find in every book on what it means to be a Christian, and probably on every page of the Bible. The thing that I'm going to talk about today has been called the oxygen of the soul, and probably every human being has done it at one time or other, whether they're religious or not. And that thing is prayer. So, The Bible has loads to say about it. We can't cover it all in one sermon, but today we're going to think about how we can develop in prayer, first of all as individuals, and then as prayer triplets, which is what we've been encouraging for our connect groups, uh, as extra to our connect groups, and also praying as a church together corporately. I'd like to just recommend a couple of books which have influenced me a lot, One is called Red Moon Rising and the other God on Mute, and both of those are by Pete Gregg. Um, We'll put those in the weekly email next week, so if you want to um, follow that up or do ask me. So, individual prayer. Did you know that there is a thing called the Jesus Prayer, which originated from Eastern Christianity, and some call it the breath prayer, because you're supposed to say it in rhythm with your own breathing. So the words are, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's it. Apparently, some people use it as a starter prayer to sit in the presence of God and to allow his spirit to inspire other simple prayers. But for some of us who are not too traditional, this may seem a bit formal or religious, even although it does actually capture some quite important theology. You could say in a simple way that it includes all all the ingredients of a good prayer. So thinking about prayer generally, an acronym that people like to use for prayer is ACTS, A-C-T-S. So the A stands for adoration and worship. The C stands for confession, so confessing our sin. The T stands for thanksgiving. And the S stands for supplication. Personally, I think this is helpful as long as we don't get hung up on it. Because none of us want to go through that list and think, oh, have I done all of those before I can leave my prayer? Um, So it it is helpful to have a gauge to assess ourselves on how we're doing. Um, But we don't want to miss the point. Because we don't want to be bending over backwards to make sure we've said all the right things. So another prayer. John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, suggested a prayer that works in all situations. And it goes like this. Oh God, help. (laughs) Hasn't finished yet. Oh God, help. It still hasn't finished. Help, help, help. And if you are a traditionalist, don't forget to say amen. (laughs) 
Perhaps we should be called the God help us movement. (laughs) Um, But Jesus did say, blessed are those that know their need of God. And certainly I know that I do. In its simplest form, Billy Graham said, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. And this is the genius of prayer. It's all about having a relationship with the living God. It's not just about what we do or what we say, but it's about the fact that God actually answers. It is a two-way conversation. There's a verse in the book of Hebrews where it's talking about how we should approach God. Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Quite simple. He is there. He does exist. And he wants to bless us. The classic prayer pose is supposed to show that we're earnestly seeking him, isn't it? Hands together and eyes closed. Apparently this posture dates back to Roman times where people would shackle the prisoners' hands with vine or rope. And it came to symbolize submission. And then it got adopted by people teaching children how to pray so that they wouldn't get distracted and their hands wouldn't wander so they would have to shut their eyes as well. But we absolutely don't insist on that posture here. The Bible tells us to pray all kinds of prayers and talks about all kinds of ways of praying. Lying down, being prostrate before God, kneeling, sitting, standing, walking, marching, singing, shouting, being silent, eyes open, eyes closed, in the supermarket, in the church, in the school, in the home, anywhere, everywhere, sometimes for a long time, sometimes just an arrow prayer that goes up like the John Wimber prayer. In 1 Timothy, as in other places, it talks about lifting holy hands as we pray for leaders and people in authority over us in the world. And in the same passage, it talks about not wearing expensive jewellery and braiding your hair in exotic ways. I think that the meaning of these two things, the holy hands and the not coming too dressed up, is about coming in an attitude of simplicity and equality, not trying to impress anyone. Because holiness before God is about our attitude of humility before him, desiring before anything else that he cleanse us, that he forgive us for our shortcomings. And holy hands also implies that we've dealt with our sin against our neighbor, or our family, or even ourselves. We can't fool God. We can't perform a burglary, or a murder, or be unkind, or be greedy, and then waltz into his presence and expect him to do things for us. He sees our innermost being, and he knows if we're being genuine. That's why we need to come with worship and confession being prepared to put wrongs right before we can genuinely pray. So, bottom line, prayer is about connecting with a God who exists and wants to bless us, who sees into our inner being, understands the deepest cry of our hearts, and wants a relationship with us for its own sake. We can believe that when we come to God with this kind of attitude and expectation, he will bless us with his presence. He will speak to us and he will bless our lives. I know from personal experience, though, that it's very difficult to prioritize prayer. 
Everything else is more pressing and shouts louder for our attention and our time. Something that Bill Hybels at a church called Willow Creek encourages his congregation to do is something they call chair time. And so for 15 minutes every morning, they're encouraged to sit down in a chair, literally before God, no distractions, no phones, no Facebook, and they ask God to speak to them about what they should be aware of for that day and listen for what he might have to say to them. There was a thread on a Facebook group that I've just joined where someone asked the question, what do you see when you sit down and talk to Jesus? And there was a huge number of different answers. Someone said, a cloud. (laughs) Someone said, they always see Jesus. And then someone else said back to him, well, whatever you're seeing is fake because that's idolatry. Um, Someone else said... um, that they'd seen all sorts of of strange and wonderful things. But the point is that God is invisible, and through his spirit, he helps us by interacting with our thoughts and our imaginations. And he also gives us wisdom, and he gives us friends and the scriptures to discern what's from him and what's not. And that's why we pray together as well and encourage one another as well as praying on our own. So let's just think about prayer triplets for a minute. We've put this as an idea in the Connect Group booklet because it's simple and it's a crucial way of connecting with people as part of the body of Christ. So we don't believe that um, when you become a Christian it's just about being the best individual we can be, although it, it is about that, but it's also about being located in a community of people who love and serve Jesus as well. And through relationship with God and each other, we can spur one another on, support one another, and pray earnestly together for those things that the Spirit of God puts on our hearts. Three is stronger than one. Jesus said, where two or three meet together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Matthew eighteen twenty. We can maybe talk about some of the things that I'm mentioning this morning in our triplets um, and see if we can maybe make them even stronger in the context of the whole church. So now let's think about corporate prayer. Because in this church, uh, we have a prayer meeting about once a term, where we specifically focus on worshipping God and seeking him for ourselves, our town, our country, and our world. And obviously, when we get together on a Sunday, we pray. We've prayed together today. Um, We spend a long part of our service in sung worship, which are actually um, prayers put to music, aren't they? So we love worshipping God, and we love being in his presence. We're seriously expecting his kingdom to come and affect all of those that we touch. Um, But in our specific prayer meetings that we have this uh, once a term or so, we go further in the the S bit of the acts. So generally on a Sunday morning we'll be doing the adoration, the confession and the thanksgiving and maybe a little bit of supplication when we have the prayer cards. But when we come together for these prayer times we really do try and spend longer um, really lifting up situations and people and things that are happening around the world to God. Another word for supplication is intercession. And the Bible says that both the Spirit and Jesus himself help us to pray and intercede for our hurting world. 
And that Jesus continues to pray for us and intercede for us, even as he sits on the right hand with his Father in heaven. We believe that prayer should be the foundation and the oxygen for everything we're doing here. Um, But it's not just about us reading out lists or fulfilling a method which gives us the how-to of prayer. It's about a relationship with God, an adventure with God. Um, Let's have a quick detour from the basic principles while we have a look at how Jesus can be a model for us um, for how we think about prayer. So after the birth stories about Jesus in the Bible, there's not much about his life until he's 30 or so years old when he's baptized. But Jesus the Messiah, the baby, comes to a community who were praying and longing for him. He didn't appear in a vacuum. Prayer was the link between God's will being promised and it coming to pass. At Jesus' dedication at the temple in Jerusalem, when he was a baby, only eight days old, a prophet called Simeon held him in his arms and said that now he could die in peace as he had held the promised Messiah. He had spent his whole life, Simeon had spent his whole life praying for the Savior to come. And then there was a woman prophetess too called Anna, and similarly she had spent her whole life praying and fasting for the Messiah and she was able to see him that day. The Bible doesn't talk much about Jesus growing up, but then when he's 12, Luke's gospel tells us how his parents took him to the temple in Jerusalem and lost him for a day or so, and found him again discussing the scriptures and amazing the scholars in the temple with his understanding of them. Jesus had soaked himself in the knowledge of the scriptures. And it says after that that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. And then it doesn't talk about him again until he's 30. So how did he grow in favor with God and man? I believe it's through knowing how to live and how to love God through his love of the scriptures, through what we now call the Old Testament. Jesus so familiarized himself with them that he was able to fully understand his calling and his mission. He would have been brought up um, to hearing on a regular basis liturgical words as well as having that relationship from his heart with God. And this is the kind of thing that he would have heard all his life. And you'll recognize some of it from our scripture, the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Take to heart these instructions with which I charge you this day. Impress them on your children. Recite them when you stay at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them serve as a symbol on your forehead. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Those things would have been going and helping Jesus to, uh, as a human being, to form his knowledge and his love for God. And he also knew the Psalms. He prayed them. He used their words when he had none of his own. For example, when he was on the cross, he prayed from Psalm 22. And then the next thing we hear of him is at his baptism when he's about 30. And at that point, 
Everybody hears a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm really pleased. And that was before he preached or taught or healed or died. All the things that he's famous for. God was really pleased with him. So the first thing that Jesus does after that is he goes to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. And we don't know everything he prays about, but we know he is tempted by Satan. We know that he uses his knowledge of scripture every time to refocus on what his mission should be when the devil tries to distract him from it. And then his mission begins and he reads from the book of Isaiah And we read about it in Luke 4.16. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We can see from this that the purpose of Jesus' prayer and fasting was was to prepare him for his mission. And the mission of his father. So he wanted to be able to see what his father was doing. When he went away for those 40 days of prayer and fasting, he didn't go off to pray for inner peace or enlightenment on its own, uh, but to be empowered for the mission that God had for him. So any prayer in, in a Christian context has to include the importance of scripture. Our prayer must be grounded in the word and infused by the spirit. You can't rely on the Spirit if you dare to deviate from what what the Bible says. And that's why Paul says in his letters that we must test the spirits to see if they're from God. This was true for Jesus and it's true for us. And as we know, the Spirit and the community of believers help us to interpret and understand the Scriptures because it's not always that easy to understand the Scriptures unless we understand the whole of what they're saying. So Jesus also taught about prayer, and he says it needs to be genuine and humble, persistent and faithful, consistent and trusting, constant and compassionate, and both secret and public. He also said that some difficult situations need us to fast and pray. He gave an example prayer to his disciples when they asked how, he should pray, how they should pray. And we'd be crazy if we didn't make use of this genius prayer regularly. Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Look at the first thing that's said there after acknowledging God as our Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And that is the heart of our mission. It was the heart of Jesus' mission. And it's that good news to the poor that the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. Justice for the marginalized, healing for the sick and broken. So we can't separate the idea of prayer from scripture, but neither can we separate the idea of prayer from our mission, which is in scripture. Yes, God wants a relationship with with us, and sometimes we ourselves are so broken that we need to rest in that personal space of his peace or his healing 
so that our hearts and minds and bodies can be healed. But each of us too can come to a place where we pray for his mission on earth, even if we don't feel at the moment that we can be part of it. And then finally, let's look at Jesus' last prayer, which is recorded for us in John 17. In this chapter, Jesus is praying for the disciples that they would be strong in the days ahead. And for us, as future disciples, he's praying um, for us as well. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. That's the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus isn't just giving, in his final prayer, he's not just giving God a list of what he wants his kingdom to look like when he's gone back to be with him. He doesn't pray any detail. He just wants them to really love one another and to really have that fellowship with each other that Jesus has with his Father. And what his kingdom on earth looks like is for his disciples to work through it in various cultures with his spirit Spurring each other on in unity to work, work out what that kingdom of justice and love looks like here on earth. So we don't need to worry about whether it's God that does everything and us that just prays or us that prays and then waits for God or whether we should then be part of the answer because it's all of those things. Um, you know, people have said, some people say that prayer doesn't change God, but it changes us. And other people say that um, we need to be the part of the answer to the things that we pray. All of these things you can find in Scripture. And in fact, Scripture really does support all these things, that God answers, he wants us to pray. He, he does things without us praying. He doesn't need us to pray. And yet he wants us to join with him in that mission. He made us in in his image, and he's always chosen to to work together with people to bring about the rescue that he wants to bring to the world. And the Son of God left his heavenly throne in order to be that perfect human, to show and to lead the way in bringing the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. We've got a lot to pray for, haven't we? Our mission in its simplest form in this church we've said that our mission is to know Jesus and make him known. And we want to know Jesus in all his fullness, and we want to make him known to everyone in all his fullness. And if we're going to do that, we really need to um, do things even more effectively than we have been already, even although what we do is great, even although you're an amazing bunch of people and we just... Absolutely. I just absolutely love being part of this church. But I do believe that we can do things more effectively, that we can show more of Jesus to the world, and that to do that, we need to pray even more effectively than we are now. So can we just watch this video clip together? 
Have you ever wondered why so many people pray? Well, Albert Einstein said that there's really only two ways to live, as if nothing's a miracle or as if everything's a miracle. Either life's a fluke and we're just a bunch of highly evolved animals on a big rock lost in space, or there's a creator behind creation, a, a God behind goodness. And if so, then connecting with him in prayer is pretty much the most mind-blowing thing you can do. Archaeologists keep digging stuff up that shows we've always prayed. People of many faiths pray daily. Even atheists admit to praying sometimes. Real prayer is a two-way conversation with the living God who loves and listens to the things we say. Jesus said, Ask anything in my name and it'll be done. We have a chance to ask for peace, healing, help or whatever we need. Life matters, you matter, your choices, thoughts, prayers and actions echo in eternity. But in case you hadn't noticed, God is pretty much invisible and not always easy to hear. There are distractions, disappointments and questions that we all share. That's why 24-7 prayer does stuff to help thousands of people in hundreds of places connect with God in new ways. People are learning to pray by just praying. Why don't you take on the challenge of a 24-7 prayer room? Just gather your friends, find a place, pick a week, get creative in the space and fill every hour of the week with a chain of prayer. Prayer vigils like these have been changing lives for 2,000 years. And today, millions are discovering that God's real. Life's a miracle. And the most powerful thing you can ever do is to pray. So, guess what I'm going to say next? <laughs> do you think we can do a week? Yes? I think we can do a week, and I would like to propose, um, let me just quickly explain that 24-7 prayer movement is something which has been going for a few years, and basically there are groups of people around the world, some churches, lots of churches in the UK as well, where um, they literally have a rotor of people who are praying like every hour. Um, maybe that's something we might get to, but whether it is or not, I would like to try for a week, and I think we can really do it. So here is the thing. If we had 24 people who were prepared to do it, we'd just have to take one hour each each day, so that would be seven hours. If we had 48 people, then we could have... Um, some would do four hours and some would do three. I, I, some of you are mathematicians, and I, I really struggle with these numbers. Uh, I'm going to go to the end. If we had uh, 168 people that could do it, we'd only need to do an hour each. And do you think that's possible? Yes, I think it's possible. We could also pledge in our triplets, and the more people that we get, the more we can have praying at one time. So we do have a prayer room. Uh, we're not saying that everything is going to happen in that prayer room because of the logistics of the building. It doesn't matter whether you're praying at home um, or here, but this prayer room will be open during the day, and we are going to make that available with lots of good resources so it's going to become much more of an interesting prayer room so um, there will also be um, guidelines on how to pray for an hour um, 
maybe using the Lord's Prayer, that kind of thing. And it's, I promise you, it does go fast once you do it. Um, So the response to today's talk, obviously we're going to have a ministry time, but I'd like us just to think um, what we would like to contribute to that week. And I'm proposing Saturday the 24th of March until Friday the 30th of March. And then Friday the 30th of March, just in case you haven't noticed, we are having an all-night prayer meeting. So that means it's the last week of Lent. It's easy to remember. It's from the Saturday until the Friday, and we're going to finish it with an all-night prayer meeting. And we're not expecting people to come and spend the whole night at the all-night prayer meeting anyway. Uh, uh, it's, it's a pop-in and drop-in and pray for things. And we're going to have different worship band leaders leading each hour, um, starting each hour with worship. So um, I do believe that God is going to do something great and in us and through us as a result of this. And um, we've got a Stone Age way of doing it, and I've written a, a chart on the wall. Behind this wall here, there is a timetable of that week, and there's chalk below, and you can write your name in the square where you think you can do it, or you can email the office. We've got about three weeks to get our act together on it. Um, So I'm very excited, and I hope you're excited to join me. Um, So our response really this morning is, individually, perhaps we could try the chair time. Perhaps we could try that 15 minutes uh, before we do anything or go anywhere, just with God on our own. Explore different ways of praying. Pray from your heart. Pray absolutely. Tell God how you're feeling. But listen. Spend some time listening. Use the Psalms. Use the Scriptures. Pray together. Pray on your own. Pray all together. Um, And that's really what I've got to say this morning. So um, shall we stand?